how excited are you for today's episode? I'm very excited. I don't, I feel like I have way too much stuff in my brain. Like I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you right now. I've been listening to Prince like, um, like exclusively Prince albums for like two weeks. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is the day. This is his. Uh, yeah, isn't that interesting that we're we're doing this on the fifth anniversary of his passing? I'm wearing purple. I didn't plan it. <laughs> I am too. I got the only purple T-shirt I own on right now. Yeah, mine not only has purple on it, but it says purple on it because it says purple rain. It says purple rain. This That's was actually yeah. a gift from Joe. Hey. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, years ago. Yeah, birthday like or something. Or yeah. yeah. I'm like, perfect. I dig it. Yeah. (laughs) There's no better day to wear this. How do you want to kick this off, Sam? This is all you. Good. I'm ready. Do it. Go. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) My my dog literally just started growling. He's like, I don't like the way this is starting. Uh Okay, here we go. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called Album Monder. Electric word, Monder, it means we're talking music for a mighty long time, but I'm here to tell you, there's something else. A movie. It's a world of never-ending happiness, where you can always see the rain, day or night. So when you're listening to your favorite podcast, you know the one with Joe, Lance, and Sam, instead of wondering how much of your time is left, tune in and let us blow your mind, baby, because in this episode, we're taking a trip to Prince World. This episode is Purple Rain. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. How long did that take you? That was fantastic. Oh, five minutes or something. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to brag, but I did write that. That's one. awesome. It's a good parody. It's a good parody. <laughs> I it's it. If we could do a Purple Rain episode every time, I would just reuse it. <laughs> we could just sub in other titles of yeah. albums. Exactly. I've been looking forward to this episode for some time. And I feel like, Sam, you probably have more locked away that's readily accessible for you to talk about. But I still had fun diving into some of the facts and interviews online. And yep. I do have some clips that I'm going to throw out um, here here shortly. I have a question before we get started. And Joe, you weren't there, but I went and saw Sam and Kate a, a few days ago in yep. order to get him this new fancy equipment that he's recording on which is going to make him sound so smooth right he's right here yeah he's not (laughs) that's true (laughs) it's like you're here (laughs) now you had mentioned something about how you when you went back to listen to the album you decided to listen to it out of order out of the original context well i for the purpose of what we're doing uh, to me, I realized that when I listen to the album, I always think about how it pertains to or how it associates with the film. And so I kind of, for the purpose of this, I kind of wanted to divorce the album from the movie. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't really going to think about the movie so much. I mean, I did watch it since our last, our last Maunder, but uh, I just wanted to focus on the album and think about just the songs and you know, just kind of focus on that because I realized I'd never have done that. And, or at least it'd been a really long time, like maybe since the first few times I'd watched or I'd listened to it. 
So for me, it was, yeah, I, I started to think about how I could kind of mix it up a little bit so that I wouldn't think about the songs in sequence with how they go with the movie. So I started listening to the songs on shuffle. So they would uh, just come up at a random oh, okay. order. Yeah. And and they totally kind of like, I don't know, they just kind of came alive and I kind of listened to them in sort of a different way than I ever had before. So it was, uh, I was glad I did it that way. That's cool. So yeah. I have... A question for you uh, for us kind of diving in here at the beginning I saw two options of how we could potentially go through this the one is the traditional album and you know uh, all uh, what is it nine tracks what is it mm-hmm. nine okay yeah yep. it's a bit busy there you go. or <laughs> because we are going to be talking about the movie do we do it in order of how they went in the movie and mm-hmm. include some of the other, you know, we don't have to listen to the full song of like the, the songs from the time or whatever, but I do have those available if we want to go in the order of how they show up in the movie. Mm-hmm. But this is your thing, so I'm going to let you decide. Ooh, well, now I, I can't, we can still play clips of those other songs if we're talking about them, which I'm sure that we, we will be, but, um, but I want to know your thoughts on that. I am ready for anything. I don't know. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about it. I mean, I guess we are going to talk about both. I don't know. Did we want to talk about the album and then talk about the movie, or do you want to talk about it all at once? I don't I mean, know if I don't know if I'm going to be able to separate the two. Uh, it might get confusing. <laughs> I, when, I like the idea of structure, but yeah, it might get a little just with the way messy. that I talk. I'm wondering if I'm going to always veer into the movie. But we, we okay. can try it whatever way you want to do it. You know, I, I think maybe doing them together would probably be the easiest way. So, so what, yeah, so why don't we do it that way? And I'm sure a lot of people are like me, uh, like before I started listening to this album, and they were just thinking about, they associate the movie and the music so much together. So, yeah, maybe we should just do it that way. Sounds good. Sounds yep. good. But as far as... As far as playing through it, should we just go through the actual album and not the way it's set up in the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's just go through the actual album, and then we can talk about how it associates with the film. There's some interesting sequencing stuff, too, you know, because they the album, the way the album plays, as we'll talk about, the album, the way it plays in the movie and the way it is on the album is different. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, um, Sam. This is this is all you, my man. Let's uh, let's move into it. Let's dive in to Prince's 1984 album *Purple Rain* with the first track. It's "Let's Go Crazy." Woo. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Doctor, everything will be alright. Down. Go crazy. 
right. Track one, let's talk about it. Yeah, as far as pop music goes, I don't think... I think we'd be hard-pressed to find a better opening track right. for like for like any album. I think it's one, yeah, I mean, it's one any of the album. best-known opening tracks. <laughs> right out the gate. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like one of the best opening tracks on an album ever. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, and I, one of the things I thought was... I mean, it's just got, you know, the energy and it's just such a joyous, like, sounding song. And it's probably, I mean, really one of the, like, most just kind of, I don't know, poppiest, like, snappiest kind of things he's done up to this point in his career, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the things I wondered was, you know, people so... I think so so much know that that opening uh, dearly beloved and I just wondered like how many younger people had to google what song starts <laughs> out with Prince going yeah. what are the lyrics so you know that? what I mean because exactly. I probably don't know yeah that's <laughs> oh right there, um, there's so much uh, I, I don't even know where to start with this but this song lends itself in so many different ways and I don't want to get too heavy right off the bat, but I know that this song meant even more to the fans and uh, and everybody really after his passing with the way that it that it opened. And I can't say that necessarily every song on this album and in the movie is timeless, but this one does not seem to age for some reason. And I don't know if it's because of how upbeat it is or if it's just Prince in general but yeah. do you know what I'm saying yeah yeah. what do you think about this one Jim uh, this is like one of the this song uh, Kiss 1999 are probably one of my top three Kiss uh, Prince songs uh, just like with the energy and uh, it, it's uh, oh my god it just it's, it blasts you in the face yeah and one of my favorite memories is um, it, it's tough to find now but sometimes I go to it just to kind of put myself in a more fun mood um, is when Saturday Night Live celebrated their 45th anniversary like a few years back probably 2015 mm-hmm. somewhere around there um, and then the after party happened and like uh, this There's has been fantastic about. video yeah this has so been talked good. about you've seen this right Sam it's, it's been yeah. talked about, yeah, like Jimmy Fallon's talked about it where he was kind of going up there and how uh, Lauren Michaels basically booked a hotel uh, mm-hmm. area and just put instruments up. He didn't book entertainment. He just put instruments up because yeah, he knows yeah. that people are just fucking talented, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and then... Um, I love it. They started, like, singing and this and that, and then uh, word got around that Prince was in there, and then uh, Jimmy Fallon had Prince like Prince if you're here and he just materializes yeah like just <laughs> like he does and so there's clips out there which are like I used to be able to go to YouTube but it's just tough but like Prince gets up there and he starts singing this song and mm-hmm. then like you look in the background it's Maya Rudolph it's Martin Short it's Jimmy Fallon it's Chris yeah. Rock and then, and then you can just see everyone just like into it and like I don't know. It's just all this pop culture wrapped into one on yeah. the stage. Like, oh my god, how cool would that be? Well, and they showed <laughs> this. the The title of the SNL episode was "Good Night, Sweet Prince," yeah. I believe. So yeah, this brings back some good memories, and it's just like this is the best start of an album. Just mm-hmm. boom, here we go. You know? Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm of a certain age and whatever, but I can't imagine anybody any age, like kids included, that if you were to play this for them, even if they had no idea who Prince was, yeah. that they they wouldn't like want to dance around. Yeah. 
right? Absolutely. Yeah. Any wedding, anything. You know? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, what else you got for us, Sam? I, I think if you ever needed any indication that Prince was an incredible guitar player, like this song is just it is total evidence of that. Uh, one time somebody, uh, some, some journalist or interviewer, uh, went up to Eric Clapton and they said, what's it like being the greatest guitar player in the world? And Eric Clapton said, I don't know. Ask Prince. Ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, when you think of great guitar players, I think generally like when I hear people talk about the awesome guitar players that they know, it's Eddie Van Halen and Jimi Hendrix and Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. And it's Clapton. Uh, I think people forget that Prince is a phenomenal guitar player and he has two incredible solos on this album. And I think they're on this song rather. And I think the reason people don't think about him as a guitar player is well, one, because he's so excellent at all the other instruments he plays. And two, because he doesn't, he doesn't uh, have like incredibly, you know, long and big solos for every one yeah. of the songs. No. Yeah. You know? It's just every so often he's just like, let me show you what I can do here. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of towards um, the end of the When he was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame, one of my favorite clips to watch is at the end of the rock and roll hall of fame shows. A lot of times they will have all the musicians that were inducted, come out and jam together. Um, and, for the one that Prince did, they were playing a song by George Harrison because George Harrison was inducted the same year as Prince. Yeah. Um, and they started playing his song with the Beatles while my guitar gently weeps and they went through it and they were, you know, the other musicians were up on stage. Uh, Tom Petty was there. George's son, uh, Danny was there. Jeff Lynn from ELO was there. Anyway, Prince was up on stage off to the side and then all of a sudden, during a break, he just started to rip through one of the greatest guitar solos I've ever heard that lasts probably like three, three and a half, four minutes. Um, and it's amazing. And then at the end, he threw his guitar off stage to like his bodyguard standing in the front row and then walked off the stage. Yeah. Him out. <laughs> That's um, great. If you ever get a chance to check out that clip, I would, I would do it. He's, uh, he's, uh, I don't know, just another like phenomenal performance that you can watch of him online. And that was another thing where, you know, he was on SNL as a <clears> musical <throat> guest shortly before he passed. But yeah, he did like a 13 minute just jam session. He didn't have a song. He was just like, he was, it was just him. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Him and instruments. Yeah. No other band, no other backup. And he's just sitting there going, you know, oh my right. God. The amount of confidence for <laughs> as shy and a reserved person that he was, you know, those two personalities, yeah. two personas that he had. Uh, it was amazing to see what, what it was he could do in front of a crowd. Yeah. And a lot of times in heels. Yeah, right. <laughs> and again, <laughs> like not to compare it to Michael Jackson, but Michael Jackson was kind of the same way where yeah. he was just reserved, but then he flipped a switch and he could just perform. Yeah, you they know? you know, there there's a lot of similarities between the two of them, but I I would have never said that to Prince to right. his face uh, mm. ever. <laughs> but there was there was so many and the the more that you kind of dive into both of them, you you just kind of see more and more things yeah there that that match up yeah so uh we ready to move to the next one there we go let's do it yeah track number two this is take me with you
Do we know which one it was singing there with him? Singing that along. That was Apollonia. That was Apollonia uh, in that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I learned that just now. I had no idea. I didn't know if yeah. it was like Wendy or Lisa singing along in the band or what. Um, I think, yeah, I think Lisa... Lisa actually sang the uh, initial guide vocal for Apollonia, so that Apollonia oh, could follow. Because okay. Apollonia was not a singer. I mean, at that time, she was just an actor. Yeah. So, I mean, um, and I think it shows. I mean, nothing against Apollonia. I don't want right. you know, to shit all over or anything, but uh, she, you know, she, she was an actor at the time and, and later would release an album with help from Prince, but... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they they ended up ultimately doubling the vocals. So Lisa, I think, did uh, kind of pitch in, and and then they doubled her her uh, line. It was kind of rare though, because I think for obvious reasons, which we'll talk about because of the tie-in with the movie, they decided to have Prince and Apollonia sing together. But I mean, Prince very rarely ever did a duet like with anybody. So, um, but a great like a really terrific drum intro, you know, those overtubbed like toms that he had just just like uh just uh to to kind of kick off the song and then and then it had strings you know just moved like right into strings like the instrumentation is is really terrific on this song for kind of a um i don't know kind of a cheery song about love yeah yeah Well, and now that we're kind of diving into the album a little bit more, um, the members of the revolution were Lisa, Bobby Z, Dez, Wendy, and Dr. Fink. And I saw a more recent interview with Dr. Fink, and he was still wearing scrubs, so (laughs) he's he's sticking to it. And I I heard some some interviews where they said how hands-on Prince was with selecting how it is that they appeared on stage. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that that was kind of interesting because back in the day, one would think that you would have just said, I don't know, what do you, what do you think it should be? But he was very much uh, wanting to be a part of that decision-making process. That's a, that's a pattern that you see uh, throughout his career. Uh, I mean, with anything like that, how the, how the albums are packaged. Uh, yeah, he's, he's hands on with every decision when it comes to his music and, uh, including that. Yeah. I mean, a pretty comfortable outfit to wear for your, like your whole career, right? You just get to wear hospital scrubs. So. Right. It's nice. pretty nice. He's right? just, he's just got to wear the stethoscope. It's <laughs> always cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. What do you think about this one, Joe? It's good. It's like a half a step down, like all the energy that came in for the first track. It's like dialed back like a half step. So mm-hmm. it's still nice. It's still got the drums. It's still got the beat, uh, you know, and it's got a fun me- melody to it. Dun, 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 now, aside it, from the movie, watching the movie with me. Yeah. How many of these songs had you not heard? before? Um, I mean, OK, most of them. I mean, I heard yeah. Let's Go Crazy and I know Purple Rain. Um, and then I know When Doves Cry. Uh, absolutely. Um. Other than that, I think I only knew like three tracks on here. Nice. Yeah. So you know, how did you feel about the album as a whole? It, you know, it flowed really well. Nice. I felt, you know, just kind of 
it, you know, like mm-hmm. any track. The but man felt, knew what he was doing. I felt sure. this one flowed more than other albums we've listened to in the past. Of like, you know, we we sat there in other albums going, why why is this here at this moment? Yeah, <laughs> like that should be over here, or whatever. But I felt it went pretty. It went pretty smooth. Nice. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got a thing here. Let me pull it up. Sorry, I can't do. Let's whip it out. I'm just gonna whip it out, guys. <laughs> um. Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Whoa, there's no room in here. (laughs) I have a few interviews and clips that I wanted to toss in throughout the episode. And since we were kind of talking about the band, I found this clip of Wendy talking about joining the revolution. I was in Lisa's room and I was just practicing my guitar. And he, Prince walked down the hotel uh the, the hallway to get to his room and he knocked on the door who's playing guitar in there um and Lisa opened the door and he saw me and he had m- known me and he's like you play I, I, and I yeah yeah um and he said play me something and I said, Wendy, don't freeze, don't freeze, don't freeze, don't mm-hmm. freeze. <laughs> I knew at that point I had a tendency what? to freeze. <laughs> you know, I'm the Warner Brothers frog, you know? And instead of like, you know, like, I just was like, no, I'm not, that's not my gift. I just stretched this massive, beautiful chord and just played a progression for him. And he just sort of went, hmm. Yeah, sounds like him. <laughs> and didn't speak, <laughs> no. he just kept staring. And there was, and I was like, well, he looked know. at me though. Yeah, looked at Lisa. He on. looked at me like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Walks out of the room. Um, and a few days later, I'm still with Lisa because we are a couple at the time. And um, the guitarist at the time, Des Dickerson, ha- didn't go to soundcheck that day. And I was hanging out, you know, fucking hanging with the band. And uh, he said, do you know controversy? Don't turn into the Warner Brothers frog. Don't turn into the Warner Brothers frog. Don't do it. Yes, I do. Take my guitar, which was the honer, the infamous, beautiful honer. He said, go up on stage with the band. And I counted her off. Counted her off. He said he was going to go out into the auditorium and walk around and check the sound. And he counted it, and I played controversy with the band. And uh, you could feel the electricity. <laughs> yeah. you, you could. You could. Prince it walked extra long in the auditorium, <laughs> in every nook and cranny of the auditorium, and. Um, He's looking at me smiling, and I'm going, that's, that's, yeah. uh, she's going to be in a band. Right. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Boom. Yeah. Uh, they did so many, all the original members of the revolution did so many interviews after he had passed. And it was kind of neat to get some insight to what it was like, not only in the beginning, but kind of throughout. And then you find out all of these stories about, uh, I, there's so many details here, but about how Prince kind of moved on and kind of left them behind. But then I guess there was talk about a reunion around the year 2000 mm-hmm. for him in the revolution. But he said that, uh, and, and I, this is all hearsay. I'm not sure if he was talking to Lisa or Wendy, 
but said that the only way that he would do it is if she would publicly like renounce being a homosexual and and that she would convert to his religion which at the time was that Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Which, I mean, when you hear that, it sounds like, you know, there's there's a reason why we use the word maunder in the title of this <laughs> podcast, because it's all over the place. But it sounds like he led a very conflicted life and not knowing exactly where he belonged all the time. Like, he would find a spot and then... You know, like whether it be getting into uh, being a Jehovah's Witness at a at a certain point, but then he kind of faded out of that a little bit as well. And I don't know; it just everything that I was reading made it seem like he wasn't always willing to stay where he was uh, spiritually or otherwise. What what yeah. did what did you find? Yeah, I mean, I think he at that time I had heard that story too. Uh, and I think at that time he was, he had just become a Jehovah's witness. I mean, that was like late nineties, early two thousands is when, is when he had converted and he was raised a seventh day Adventist. Um, so yeah, he had converted. And so I think he was, he was really committed to it at that point. You know, I think he was really, he was really all in and, um, obviously a ridiculous request to ask of her. And of course she said no, you know, I mean, well, it's almost um, like, did he know that she was going to say no? And that was like, you know, it's probably like, it's a yeah, trap. He, <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he's, he's made some, he's made, I think some, some, you know, missteps as far as comments that he made about, um, sexuality and things like that throughout history. You can go back and find some of that stuff, but you know, um, I think, uh, yeah, I, throughout his life, I mean, gosh, if we just look at this album, I mean, I don't know. I heard some people have basically even said they just thought like Purple Rain was basically like a Christian album. I mean, there's a lot of religious references just in the first song. Let's go crazy. He's basically talking about the same thing he was talking about in 1999, which is, you know, the coming of the apocalypse, basically. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, he's calling, he's calling the devil, the D elevator and, uh, saying you should punch a higher floor, which is basically to reach for God. I mean, it, religion and sex were basically the things he was talking about, you know, throughout his entire career. Yeah. Yep. Nuts. I guess let's move on to the next track. Let's do it. Number three, it's the beautiful ones.
Well, here's where we have no choice but to talk about the movie. Yeah. Because he's like just looking past everybody else in the audience there at First Avenue. We should talk about First Avenue yeah. a bit. Uh, and it, isn't this when she's sitting with Morris Day? Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. He, and yeah, it's, he starts, it's he incredibly her, yeah. intense. And and Morris is like, especially later on in the song, he's like, he knows what's going on, but he's just kind of looking around and like pretending, that. pretending like it's not happening. I love it. It's so like, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what do you got on this one? Prince played all the instruments on this one. I didn't know that. Um, this did not. This did not have uh, the revolution. Yeah, he worked on this song, I guess, late one night, and and kind of had a propensity to record late into the evening and work really long days. But this is one of the tracks that came from a session um, like that, where he was just in the studio by himself um, and did the whole thing. And then apparently at three in the morning, after he had recorded the track, uh, he went over to Wendy's house, and his bodyguard went and knocked on the door. And um, woke Wendy up and, and got her out of bed and said, you know, Prince wants to talk to you. And he was sitting out in the car. And so the bodyguard and Wendy walk out to the car and they get in. And so the three of them are there and Prince is like, I have a song I want you to hear. And he put it on and it was the beautiful ones. And um, so Wendy got to be kind of the first person to hear it. And she said that uh, she uh, she said it really broke her heart. She said she was grateful that she got to be the first one um, to listen to it. But I guess that he would do that a lot with songs. Like he would just kind of work on them by himself and then be like, here, what do you think of this? You but know? that would have been the first one that he didn't even bring it up that way, but letting her know that she wasn't going to be a part of this song that's on the album. Y- yeah, and I think the band just had kind of grown accustomed to that's that's just how it was going to operate. I mean, for the few years that the revolution was together, I think that was just kind of, they just kind of understood that sometimes Prince was going to play. He was just going to do everything. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's three songs on here that he did all by himself. He played every instrument. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that was just, they realized that was just how they were going to work. And uh, they knew that they, they were his band, you know? Yeah, makes sense. So, it really was but, a different type of dynamic between them it was it was apparent from the beginning that it was the prince show yeah and that they were just kind of along for the ride and i mean you know i i get it but it's gotta feel kind of weird i don't i don't know if he ever made them feel like they were disposable or or if he really cared for them deeply but it seemed like later on you know when he decided it i can't remember who it was in the revolution that said this but they kind of acknowledged that someone like Prince or someone like Paul McCartney and these these big acts they would want to eventually move on and branch out to work with other artists and that's why they couldn't really be that upset about being left behind but they were thrilled that they got to be a part of that part of his career, especially because those were some of the biggest hits that he ever had. And oh, yeah. they were a part of that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's a common, a common thing too with Prince is that people are just generally happy that they got to play with him or, you know, be a part of his band for a while. 
Um, so yeah, um, I just thought the beautiful ones, it's not my, one of my particular favorites on the album, but, but I do think like the vocal performance is freaking amazing. You know, I mean, uh, just, uh, just incredible. Yeah. A really full sound and it was super smooth and like that kind of almost falsetto, but I guess, mm-hmm. you know, Prince had a huge range too. Yeah. yeah. You know, that baby, yeah. baby. Oh, you've got you know. a huge range. Uh, hey. hey. <laughs> That's what I call it. And by range. <laughs> cover band. <laughs> hey, there you go. Right. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that was a solid track. That was also one of those parts in the movie where it, with that with that music, because that song in particular doesn't really hold up as well, which is why it's not one of my all-time favorites. But that's in one of the more, to me, the cheesier part. Like, yeah. not not cheesy funny but it's just like very much dated. A little oh, bit. this was definitely, um, you know, directed by a relatively unknown and put together yeah. in 1983, 1984, whenever it was that they filmed it. I think that's the and, drawback is like when you're making music and you got the album and a movie, how much is it geared towards the movie? How much is it geared towards? Right. Just and a song and we should we should talk about you that. Know after this next song here we go see what i did there good segue (laughs) (laughs) number four it's computer blue wendy yes lisa is the water warm enough yes lisa shall we begin yes lisa This sounded like the most 80s track. You think on so? The album. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> there, there's a question yeah. that I need answered. Yeah. And I don't know if you have the answer to this, Sam, or not. Okay. But when the credits roll at the end of Purple Rain, the background is kind of a computer blue. And I don't ah, know if that was intentional that's or not. It. Did you ever think know. about that? Duh. Because because it, it's like a it's like a bright screen blue yeah, with, with white, white letters, font. Letters. Yeah, and, it sure is. And that's yeah. another thing that we need to talk about is how when you get to the credits, it plays like I don't know, ten to fifteen seconds yes. of every song. They don't just stick to one song. It's just all over the place. It's like, hey, don't forget this one. Also, this one. Go buy yeah. the album. That makes yeah, sense. Go buy, go buy the album. That makes just sense. Just came out a month ago. Because we oh. watched it, and then uh, at the end of the credits, I was looking at it, and I'm like, well, hold on here. 
this is Prince. He puts a lot of effort into everything. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, the credits look kind of bland, a little boring. Like, what's up with that? I mean, granted, they're credits. They're cr- right, but right. Yeah. But I it was it. just blue and then white. And you would think that there might be some symbols, there might be some, I don't know. Yeah. But it was just like, now that you say computer blue, I'm like, fuck, that well, makes Well, this sense. is the first time that I've ever articulated that thought. But that I've, makes sense. I've thought that for years. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, it, there's a track on the album that's called Computer Blue. It's in the movie. They play, you know, a snippet of it er, during the credits. And it's just a solid blue screen on your on your television. <laughs> like, and I, I made that association. And I it could be nothing. I don't know. But I just thought I'd put it out there because I've been thinking about it for fucking years. So there it is. It's out there for everybody. What do you think about Computer Blue, Sam? Um, I like this song. I like Computer Blue. I feel like it's, I mean, it wasn't really a hit, you know, um, but I, and I, I hadn't heard it until I finally really, you know, just dug into the album. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the keyboard line for it, uh, kind of this haunting keyboard intro, and I really dug that. And then the second half of the song um, was written by Prince's father, oh. uh, John John L. Nelson, and um, and of course in the movie they have him playing the notes on the piano that basically mirror this second section of Computer Blue. So the notes that he's playing, you know, ultimately becomes that song. Um, I really like that part of the song. It's completely different from anything Prince has, had done up to that point, And it's got this really like slick kind of classy, like eighties sound. And it almost sounds like something you'd hear in like a film about like a big city or something, you know, it's just got this like really, really slick, like eighties sound that I really like. But then at the end, he's just like, yeah, you know, he just, he just like just loses it right at the end, you know. So uh yeah, um I really like that song. It's a good one. They've got a much longer version on the special edition, on the deluxe edition. Mm. Nice. Well, they cut it down for the movie because it was like it was like 12 minutes long originally. So then they cut it down to like three minutes. Yeah. There's a lot of things on the deluxe, and we we need to remember to talk about some of that as well. Sure. But since we were talking about and we're going to dip in and out of the movie, can we talk about the scene where he sees his dad playing the piano and, you know, the bits of computer blue in there and how he goes in the house. Where are you, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, like, All right. and then he gets downstairs and he's like, did you write that? <laughs> <laughs> and like instantly he's like, oh, hey, dad. Hey. No worries. Yeah. That was like a, you know, totally dysfunctional family there. Oh, uh, my. Absolutely. No. And there was some there's been talk about how, you know, we rarely ever saw a glimpse into Prince's personal life or his upbringing. But a lot of people would speculate or say that this is about as close as we would ever get, even though it wasn't nearly, you know, he, he wouldn't put everything out there exactly the way it was do you have any information about that sam uh not really i mean i heard the same thing you have um and you know other than that i guess aside from that i know that his father and him had a had a pretty at times like good relationship but at times you know it wasn't so great um i know that he kind of put prince through like boot camp as a kid when it came to like playing music you know he he really just kind of 
um, made him work pretty hard um, to to kind of become a good musician to kind of learn music um, because John himself was a musician and played in, I, I think like a jazz trio. I think it was called the Prince, Prince Rogers trio. Um, and then of course, Prince's name is Prince Rogers Nelson. Yep. Um, yeah, there's so, a lot of stuff that we should have talked about. At the right. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> we're, we're just too excited to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're assuming, but uh, I do know also that Prince, uh, Prince's father kicked him out of the house when he was like 14. And I don't know if he ever got to, to move back into his house or how that actually worked out. But, um, yeah, I think they kind of had a, um, a back and forth kind of relationship. Sometimes it wasn't so great. Hmm. When did his father pass? Good question. Yeah. Because I I want, I wonder what, if they were ever, if they were ever able to, you know, rekindle anything that used to be there. And that's also kind of weird because, once you become a fucking mega superstar, you know, then it, you always wonder if that's what's behind it. I'm speaking from experience, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, fortunately for you guys, we're you, the, you knew me before I made it big. You see? So we're, we're fine here. Don't worry. <laughs> well, once you get, once you get rich and famous, you don't need parents anymore. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, you know, because if he's, if he had a rough childhood, you know, if it's anything like, what it was in the movie and you know years are decades are very different in how children were treated yeah and you know i didn't have that kind of childhood but i had a rough childhood in my opinion but it wasn't like well (laughs) i guess i don't want to get too deep here but you know there's domestic abuse Mm -hmm. in in his house in this movie so obviously that felt kind of real i don't know did the director i'm gonna be all over the place man did the director talk to him about his story or how did this happen because i was under the impression that the director kind of came up with the story but then again people are saying that this kind of directly sort of reflected prince's upbringing yeah uh the director did come up with the story, at least what I heard, is that he had basically concocted the story, presented it to Warner Brothers. Prince heard it um, and was like, huh, OK. And then the next time Prince met with the director, he was like, I don't get it. Like, how did you how did you do this? And the director's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, how did you so like, how did you how did you know, like what my upbringing was like? He's like, you basically wrote my story. So. Um, yeah, I think Prince was kind of impressed with how perceptive, uh, the director, the director was. That's interesting yeah. how that yeah. happened. And I hadn't, I hadn't seen that or read that, yeah. but I feel like domestic abuse in the home in the eighties would have been, or seventies, I'm sorry, uh, domestic abuse in the seventies would have been quite a bit different, especially in that area than what it would have been like in, you know, for like me growing up and yeah, seeing some yeah. of the stuff that I was seeing. And, it always kind of changes incrementally, you know? Yeah. I mean, but yeah. then, and I don't, I don't even know where I was going with this, but it was well, just, you know, I'm sure it gets into like, you know, you get more physically abusive and then like the next generation, it turns into, you know, uh, you shouldn't be spanking your kids, you know, right. that kind of thing. We're kind of slowly incrementally kind of tapers off. Yeah. I mean, there's still abuse. Don't get me wrong. But like, as far as like, what's you know oh i grew up and this was accepted well now it's not yeah i just yeah and so i i don't know it 
it was also interesting to see how his character was kind of adapting the traits of the father. Yeah. And how that does happen in real life. And I, I don't know. It's a very, yeah, it's a very deep movie, but it's, you have to kind of look beyond the cheese beyond <laughs> times in order to, you yeah. know, get there because it is a very dated movie and a lot of it does not hold up very well outside of the, the concert yeah. performances. Yeah. yeah. And it, it does, it seems like they don't, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of turmoil in his home, obviously, but there's just some stuff that they don't really flesh out very well. Yeah. Like they kind of just show us these like really tense moments and then, we don't really I don't think they really ever like uncover what the the conflict is between the mom and dad other than I guess they just don't get along. And sometimes it turns violent. It's possible with him being a kid and playing the kid that uh, because that's his official character name is in the, the movie kid. is yes. the kid for those of you that don't know that. Time. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's possible that they're only showing what it is that he sees. And yeah. and and that's kind of genius, because as the child, you may not know what the fuck's going on. You just know that it's chaos when you're home. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, um, I have uh, I have a need right now to listen to a song that might have made somebody named Tipper Gore really angry. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> Do you think we can do that? <laughs> yeah, I think we can. I, I know the name of that song. It's called Darling Nikki. She was a sex fiend I met her in a hotel lobby Masturbating with a magazine She said, how'd you like to waste some time And I could not resist When I saw little Nikki grind Music for a preteen daughter. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I guess. I could see well, where people I, would be a little surprised. But then yeah. again, this is coming from the same guy that had an album called Dirty Mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess if, if you're so concerned about what your 11-year-old is listening to, are you just not... Like, I mean, are you not paying attention to what she's buying when she goes to the mall or whatever? This is an actual thing that happened that I was alluding to. One of uh, there's 
information out. The uh, Tipper Gore was super upset when she bought this album for her daughter, and then they were just uh, apparently uh, even the the daughter was scarred. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if they're eleven or what? No, right. they don't know what the hell it's about. Come on, yeah, they don't. Al sitting so it, around there going, yeah, so, so it led to the creation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it led to the creation of the Parents Music Resource Center, or the PMRC, mm-hmm. which, as you said, was led by Tipper Gore, and uh, you know, kind of at the same time as License to Ill, right? Ah, yeah, because oh, both yeah. of them were kind of. The, the albums that made uh, made a lot of headlines mm-hmm. and were ones that were brought up in front of Congress. Yeah, that w- that was the organization, for those that don't know, that was responsible for the parental advisory stickers, which basically just made you want to buy the albums more. Exactly. Don't look. I got one of those. That did not work. You see that all <laughs> over the place. They were like, Prince loved <clears throat> negative press yeah. because it, it's press. Yeah, it's it's the best press. But have have you guys looked at what some of the so they they made a list of the filthy fifteen? Did you guys look at the list of songs that they made? So they made a list called the filthy fifteen. These were the songs that they said, you know, should be banned or should not be allowed, uh, or or should be somehow there should be some warning on these albums. Here's a few of the songs that are listed on here: "She Bought" by Cyndi Lauper. Oh man, hmm. <laughs> for, okay. obvi- for obvious reasons, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, uh, dress you up by Madonna. Hmm. They said it was yeah. like too sexual, and it was about I don't know. Dress you up in off, my love. Taking off clothes. Uh, we're not gonna take it by Twisted Sister. Well, what? That's it's like a jam. What? We're not. I know. Gonna, what is there a lyric well, in there th- that's th- like? Th- or or yeah, was I, it? I'm, wait, when was this list made? Um, it was right around the time at the formation of the PMRC, but I don't. I think yeah. it was it was less about that song and more about how they looked dressed up as women looking yeah, like yeah exactly okay. yeah, I, I and like right. really the edgy and the hair yeah. yeah I mean that was kind of the kind of the beginning of, of hair metal because we're not gonna take it has nothing it's not, wrong yeah we're it's not gonna, like it's yeah. it's challenging authority we're not gonna take your shit but yeah. fuck you yeah all right yeah. <laughs> weird so Keep going. just didn't have time for that I guess so. yeah but um. But this was another song that Prince played all the all the uh, instruments on. He did it all by himself. And we need to. Oh, do you want to say more of the list of some of the other songs? Um, the only other one that I made note of was ACDC's. Uh, I mean, this title. Uh, Let me put my love into <laughs> yes. you. Yes, they had a well. Like, pick any ACDC song. That's true. Yeah, you got the yeah, biggest balls there's, of them all. There's a lot. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of their songs that are offensive. <laughs> Yeah. So whole lot of Rosie. Anyway. Oh yeah. <laughs> so but then there's that singing that's at the end of the track, you know, that's played in reverse. Yes. It's so did you guys read about what, what the what the words were that they said? No. Okay. So apparently it says, uh, hello, how are you? Fine, fine, because I know that the Lord is coming soon. Coming, coming soon. Ooh. At the end of Darling Nikki, played backwards. Yeah, he really liked tying those two things together. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's crazy. I never knew that. Thank you yeah. for telling me that. Mm. Yeah. So that's um, great. No, I just a couple instrumental notes I made about it. That double bass drum that's going on in there mm-hmm. is uh is just awesome. And then of course more like awesome screaming. But to be to be honest, it's like hardly the dirtiest thing Prince ever did. Right. Like I mean, I, I don't think anyway. I mean, I know it's a song, you know, that's pretty dirty, but he also did before this, he had done Jack you off. Yeah. 
He had done Sister about incest. He had done Lady Cab Driver, where he basically like explains a sexual encounter. Uh, he had Head, mm-hmm. whatever that's about. No, and nobody knows. Did, uh, no. Nobody yeah, knows. Know. Pussy yeah, Control. International Lover, he does the same thing. He talks about like, you know, just having, a, having sex with someone. So I don't know. I mean... That's rock and roll, man. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> we would be remiss if we did not talk about Dave Grohl covering Darling Nikki. Or was it, was it just him or was it Foo Fighters? I think the whole band did the it. The whole band. Yeah. Uh, let's play it. I, I like the way that that <laughs> yeah. yeah I like the way that that one sounds. Speaking of Dave Grohl, I'm sure all of us here have heard his Prince story, but um, there's there's two different versions of it out there on the internet that I could find, and there's the one that's through I think Prince's uh, estate or or something uh, where it's like a more official thing, but it's got a bunch of music behind it. But he also told the same story on Jimmy Kimmel, and here it is. You've played with a lot of great people, obviously. Prince is somebody that you played with. Tell tell that story, because this is a good one. Well, years ago, Prince did this 21-night stretch at the Forum in Los Angeles. Right. And so I'm like, we got to go. This is going to be amazing. So me and like 20 of my friends got a party bus and went down to the Forum. And so we were hammered when we got there, Mm -hmm. like before the show. Then we went upstairs to the club, and someone said... Um, hey, he really wants to meet you. I'm like, okay. And then they said, they said uh, he's going to call you up to jam. And I was way too drunk to get up and jam with him. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. So afterwards, we met, and uh, he's, I said, well, when do you want to jam, man? And he said, how about Friday? I said, okay. And he said, I'll call you. So I waited all week with my phone, just like, Prince is going to call, Prince is going to call. And of course, he never called. So someone said, just go down there. And I got down there to sound check. There was no one there. It was an empty room. And I walked out into the middle of the arena, and he sees me, and he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I thought we were going to jam, Prince. You know? And uh, he goes, do you want to jam? I said, sure. So we get up. He said, do you want to play drums or guitar? I said, I'll play drums. And so I sat down at this drum set, and we started playing Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Uh-huh. And it was, I swear to God, the mo- it was the most amazing experience of my entire life. Wow. And there was nobody there. Oh, wow. It was, the forum was completely empty. I'm like, God, there's no And so, uh, and then when we were done, he's like, yeah, we should do that. I was like, okay. And he goes, what are you doing next week? And the next week I had a school fundraiser I had. Oh. <laughs> so that was the only time I got to jam with Prince. That's a pretty good time to jam with Prince, though. Cool. Even if you're, in a way, it makes it more special. Well, it's great. I have a CD of it, though. Oh, you do? I'll send you one. All right, well, when you come Ooh. back, we'll play it. We'll Ooh. listen to the whole thing. 
Uh, he did that interview wearing an ABBA shirt. So. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Nothing wrong with that. No. Nothing wrong with a little ABBA. <laughs> There's something wrong with too much ABBA. There you go. Do, have you Dancing <laughs> watched Queen. the Community episode uh, pro, uh, where it's oh. it's the Dean's playlist, and but oh. it's, it's Halloween, and all of them like get infected with this virus that makes them seem like they're zombies but it's oh yeah it's the dean's like notes to himself like uh kind of circa uh similar to norm mcdonald's like note to self and but then it's like all these abba songs (laughs) playing in the background it's fucking great anyway there was that's uh, great i love all these you know everyone kind of has a prince story if they're into if they're a prominent figure in music that they're like oh i got to you know like Jimmy Fallon got to, even though he doesn't really do music, but yeah, uh, he got to play ping pong with Prince, and then all of a sudden he just disappears, and it's like the ball went past him, and he's trying to find it, and then all of a sudden he looks up, Prince is gone. Okay, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, he just like, left. Yeah. You hear, the, hear all these stories like, about him like materializing. Like, yeah, I heard that story too. <laughs> he's got there's a lot of them that you can find like and online. We Everybody... talked, yeah, we talked uh, extensively about the Kevin Smith yes story. Yeah that he had and yeah. it, i don't know if anybody's interested in that stuff there's so much on youtube i found david allen greer had a print story oh, wow. jamie fox had a print story uh, and it, everyone is just when they tell the story there's like this they're mesmerized there, they're there's like... that and he's like this kind of mystic like mythical <laughs> figure it's like a unicorn it's, oh i know <laughs> it's great oh man uh, next song we've got uh, number six. It's when doves cry on vinyl. This is the start of the second side. Oh, we're on side so, two. That's okay. something to think about. I like that. talk about it yes indeed well i mean let's get the obvious out of the way because whenever anybody talks about this song the first thing i feel like i always hear is that they're like there's no bass so yeah so there's no they they don't have a bass guitar in it prince apparently played around with the fact of having one and then ultimately just decided 
nobody else has the guts to do to not put bass in a song that's going to be that could potentially be on the radio so i'm going to do it Mm -hmm. um this is the last one on the album that he played all the instruments on and uh apparently uh the director albert magnoli of of the film asked prince for a song for the montage in the movie Mm -hmm. and prince went home and the next day brought him back two songs one of them was when doves cry and um he, uh, he was like, this is perfect. I'll take this one. And so that's what they chose for the montage. But Prince wrote it while they were making the movie. Oh, yeah. wow. That's solid. So yeah. I wonder in a scenario like that, like <clears throat> had he been kind of working on something like this and then he yeah. just busted it out and refined it and like, said, hey, okay, what do you fine. think about this one? It, it sounds like it's it's a little of that. And sometimes it's just stuff that he, you know, usually starts with a groove with for Prince. That That seems to be the consensus that I've heard in interviews and stuff when he writes a song. So it could have been something he'd been working on before, like you said, and then just expanded upon it. Yeah, um, this is a there's a very <clears throat> definitive feel to this type of song that would need yeah. to be reflected in that montage. You can't just do a montage with any kind of song. It's like when you, you know, uh, for people that don't know, I edit weddings and make highlight videos for them. And I'm like, you can tell me you want this kind of song in there. But if you're picking something that's way more upbeat and your wedding was very somber and more serious it's it's not going to right. it's not going to work and for no, the know, wedding might not work either it, hey. most of them don't or the marriage i'm sorry that's <laughs> true <laughs> i mean it's possible the wedding itself won't work either when it comes to prince i feel like him and other really big and well-known entertainers. I was trying to figure out part of it, part of the reason why they might get so big so quickly. And he's one of those guys that is very unapologetically confident in everything he does. And within these songs, he isn't afraid to do stuff that nobody else would do on an album even down to the tiniest details like you know in in the background you know after he says something he's he's making these moaning sounds and the you know the the end with kind of the the scream singing that he's doing and who else does that the only other people that do that are these mega entertainers like Steven Tyler, Michael Jackson, of course. And they just put everything out there. And when you hear it the first time, you're like, why the fuck would you make that sound? (laughs) But it sets them apart from everybody else that just goes out there and like Bette Midler singing a song, you know? Right, right. It's just way different. And other acts that kind of took off, they had, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Cyndi Lauper. Yeah, uh, earlier. And she was one of those. She just sounded different. And she would kind of have fun with what she could do with her voice. Yeah, and that totally. set her apart from everybody else. And yeah. I don't know. I When I was driving yeah. the other day and I was listening to this album, I, I just became used to the fact that it was in the song. But when you sit there and think about it, you're like, who else would do this? I who know. would? Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Who would? Who would do that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's fucking great. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so unique. And it's, and, and it's one of those things that like people, like you just kind of latch onto, like you said, you know, there's so many of those types of things that he did vocally. Yeah. He apparently when he used to do vocals, he would, he would kick the engineers out and he would engineer his own vocals. So he would go in there into the booth and he would sing like by the board and he would just do it himself. And he said he thought it was just better for efficiency's sake than to try to tell an engineer, no, cut this part, don't cut this. And I suppose for someone that's doing as unique vocal stuff as he is, it probably just makes sense if you have the know-how to just do it, to just, you know, yeah, just do it yourself. So, but, but like lyrically, this song is, I think one of the best things he ever wrote. I mean, um, and, and the fact that he did it so quickly, I, I don't know. I just blows my mind. But it, yeah, going to like the like vocals, it's kind of uh, just like moaning or whatever the hell it is because mm-hmm. it's not really singing. <sighs> but like the start now, granted, the song I'm referring to is not on this album, but for the the song Kiss, it yeah. starts out him going uh, dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, ah, and then it gets into the song. But yeah, it's just like a little yeah. bit of flare before it gets into the the beats and everything but yeah. absolutely <laughs> it's another one of those songs too like kiss and when doves cry are pretty similar too because they're they're those types of songs that are they're so sparse you know like there's just drums and then there's a synthesizer and then it's his voice and that's the song you know like that's everything yeah it's mostly um, about his voice yeah right Right. And, but they just sound incredible. Like, <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> I know. Yeah. It blows my mind. Yeah. That was solid. Let's, uh, let's keep moving. Number seven, I would die for you. This is um, this is my favorite song on the album. <laughs> it's it's it. actually my favorite song it's kind too. Of a deep cut. Yeah, it I really is. I would die for you, and yeah, it's it's like a totally. I mean, it's one of those songs where you if you if you focus on the lyrics, you can interpret them many different ways. I I think, but to me, I mean, I think it's it's another song that's just you know it's very religious. You know, I think he's talking about. He's talking about religion, but I suppose if you wanted to, and the reason probably why it worked better on pop radio is because, you know, you could just interpret it as being about someone dying for someone they're in a relationship with or wanting to be in a relationship with. So, um, 
But uh, yeah, I really love. Uh, I love. I just feel like it's one of those songs. It's like like such a tight, perfect pop song. You know, it's just it's got those sixteenth notes going on throughout the entire song, and I just feel like that brings this awesome tension to it. Yeah. Um, but um, I almost yeah, I, I almost I really feel like, like I'm doing something wrong by saying that it's my favorite song on the album. And I know that I've had times in the past it's a deep cut. that like that like when doves cry. Yeah was my favorite and because i would love to sing along with it and but Mm -hmm. but for the last however many years yeah this was just like my jam yeah i loved it that's not weird because this is a favorite among a lot of prince fans like they really they really dig this song so yeah you're not uh you're not alone with that at all i think it's it's just a good song and it was on the radio you know it's not like it for sure you know yeah it's not like it was uh totally obscure but what do you think joe you know, hearing about it, it just kind of struck me as like, what if Prince were still around today, how would it be if he became an, like an electronic musician? You know, because it just like it started out well, with a yeah, and it's like, damn, like he could just do songs without his vocals and just like, you know, he was, I mean, I guess I can't say that he hasn't done more electronic stuff because he has, yeah, and really his his discography at least what's been put out there i mean he's tried so much stuff so i wouldn't be surprised if he could have gotten into more i don't know i don't want to say necessarily like edm or techno but i mean who the fuck knows what he could have done yeah or you know uh uh why can't i think tron uh Oh yeah, like Daft Punk. Daft Punk, yeah, that for sure. Kind of edge, that kind of era. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, the sound sounded super good. I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, this is. Yeah. I I don't think anybody can deny how awesome and this then, song is. Yeah, I would die with the number four, which yes. looks like a print symbol. Yeah, and the letter U. You know, on there. I'm like, okay, all right. There's a, a few <laughs> tracks out there where he took some liberties on how yeah, to. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty classic. Classic Prince. He would use numbers, and I I mean, he I don't think he ever spelled out the word U, Y O U, right? Anything yeah. so. That's like yeah. back in like ni- early '90s texting, you know. It's like <laughs> so yeah. I, so I did find another interview out there. I've got a few more things up my sleeve here, and this was his very first TV interview. I think it was on MTV. Oh man! But it's really weird when you watch it because he's like surrounded by a bunch of people that are just like sitting around him. But then they they ask him a question, which I think is. Uh, pertinent to this point in the in the album monitor yeah, yeah and uh let's hear it if it will play cool story bro <laughs> you joe you go fuck yourself you know you can go fuck yourself yeah i know so do it every day <laughs> some people have criticized you for selling out to the white rock audience with purple rain and leaving your black listeners behind how do you respond to that oh come on come on <clears throat> Cufflinks like this cost money, okay? Let's be frank. Can we be frank? If we can't be nothing else, we might as well be frank, okay? So let me think. Seriously, um, <clears throat> I was brought up in a black and white world. And yes, black and white, night and day, rich and poor, black and white. And I listened to all kinds of music when I was young. And 
when I was younger, I always said that one day I was going to play all kinds of music and not be judged for the color of my skin, but the quality of my work. And hopefully that will continue. I, uh, I think there are a lot of people out there that um, understand this because they support me and my habits and I support them and theirs. There you have it. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I I, I haven't. No, super it's my first weird. Time. I'll have to find what it's titled because it wasn't easy to find. Yeah. Um, and it has like subtitles down at the bottom. So I know it says Prince in the title, but it's it's all over the place. And it took some digging for me to find it. But it's just super weird because all these people are just like sitting around him, mm-hmm. but they don't say anything or react yeah. <laughs> to anything. Also, I'd like to thank whoever it was that set that up for. Obviously, filming it on what I can only imagine is a busy street. Yeah, with all of the sounds that were in the background. Is yeah, so that's weird. weird. Oh, I was going to ask you if it was at Paisley Park, but and maybe it was just like people he had around. You know, I don't know. I'll send you. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll try to remember to send you the. If I don't send it tonight, when I listen back to this to edit it, I'll make sure that I send yeah. it. Yeah, reminder. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Hey, Lance, pay attention to this. This send is it your to reminder. Sam. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well. Let's move on to uh, to the next track. It's number eight, Baby, I'm a Star. the chorus isn't as catchy it didn't take off as much but yeah. everything else about this song it, it could totally be a hit yeah I, I think that just they they missed it on the chorus a little bit and i mean fuck me for critiquing prince but that's <laughs> that's what i think like yeah. it everything yeah. about it like the beat leading up to it it's just i don't think that the that the chorus and the the hook really Took. Yeah, the exactly. The, the, the hook didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I. It's. You're right. I mean, I. It just didn't have that. Yeah, it just didn't have that. Uh, that thing to to kind of um to kind of get people. Uh, I guess to to really be able to sing along well. Plus, it's got that weird lyric. You might not know it now, baby, but I are. 
I'm a star. So, you know, grammatically, you know, the grammar Nazis. He, are, he had to reach a little bit. Are yeah. a little, little pissed off about that. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this song is just basically him being like, I'm a huge star, you know, which which he realized he was going to be after this album and this movie came out. Because, I mean, he made this album as his most commercial thing that he'd ever done on purpose, you know, to coincide with this movie that was basically going to be telling a story about him. So, um, yeah, I, I like Baby on the Star. And as a matter of fact, if you look at like the resequencing aspect of this album, I almost might be okay with if you want to end it on kind of a more uh, upbeat note using this as the album closer. Yeah. You know, uh, and because it is in the movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I could almost see that, you know, either flip flopping with Purple Rain or, or maybe, you know, Purple Rain being up a little higher, you know. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. But uh, usually, I guess when they played this live, it would end up being like this huge jam session and they would just invite like anybody to like come out and, and they would play it. As a matter of fact, on the special edition that I have with the concert, they play Baby on the Star for like 20 minutes or something. And all these people are on stage playing instruments. Now, is that all audio or is it a video DVD? It's DVD. Yeah. Yeah, it's a concert. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it was pretty great, man. I, I don't think I'd ever actually watched an entire Prince concert. And of course, I never got to see him live. So um, it was uh, it was pretty good. Did you ever hear that? Um, soundboard recording. Did I send that to you? Did you ever listen to that? It was from a Detroit concert sometime in the 2000s. I'm not sure. Oh, no, but I it's, don't think so. It's phenomenal. And I, I'll have to check and see if I if I still have it but or access to it. Um, he, like, he says at the beginning, like, he hadn't been to Detroit in so long. And they he did this kind of medley of a bunch of his songs, but... Uh, like even getting into fucking bat dance mm-hmm. and um and other <laughs> wow. and other songs that you know you would uh I think he played like the the beat and everything to and this is a whole other topic of other songs that he wrote for other other groups but to um what was the oh, I know it I I've just been talking so much Vanity 6 uh it was in Beverly Hills Cop uh what was the name oh. of that song I can't um, remember the name of the song. Um, I'm lost. <laughs> it's uh, oh. I mean, it, it'll come to me. Whatever. Anyway, um, but he, like he played like the the groove to that, and it, it's just all stuff that he would. There was no manic Monday though. I'll tell you that yeah. he didn't. <laughs> that didn't show up in that concert. What movie was it in? It was in Beverly Hills Cop Two, I think. Oh. Is it called Nasty Girl? Yes, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. And so like for the for the true fans that would you know it was never on an album or anything yeah. but they knew that he wrote it. He like right. dove into it for like I don't know 20 seconds, 30 seconds and then moved on to the next thing. Yeah. It was really cool. He wrote so many songs for so many other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean and like hits, like stuff we know, like do you, I don't know, like with songs like Nothing Compares to You, you know a song like that. Do you prefer the Prince version or do you prefer Sinead's version? Um, yeah, both at this. That same is time. real tricky because I grew up listening to Sinead's version. Right. Same here. Same here. I feel like her version. 
I'm gonna sound like a dick, but I feel like it. I feel like it hits harder coming yeah. coming from her, and I and I can't not associate that song with the music video and how like up close and personal that felt. Yeah. Yeah. So for that one in particular, I might have to go with hers, but I enjoy listening to his. Yeah. Plus, well, you know, his version really didn't come out and I don't think people really heard it until several years after that became a hit for Sinead. So, you know, I think we were just also accustomed to hearing it from her because it was like you said, a huge hit. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember when his version of that came out, if it was just a few years later, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Joe doesn't know what we're talking about. So let me oh, play let me play bit. a clip. I'll probably hear A up here. Um which one should I play first? You should play Sinead's first. <laughs> it's been seven hours and fifteen days since you took now I wouldn't be surprised if you have no idea what the fuck this is because I, of your number of years. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Younger. With the two and the U. Since you've been gone, I can do whatever I want. Okay, now it's kind of starting to sound familiar. I can see to get to the chorus we got him back sam there we go i'm like yeah (laughs) we don't have to kick him off of this podcast it's the chemo brain just kind (laughs) of that's what it is you know (laughs) all right now the prince version yeah Uh, Paul is calling us. <laughs> hey, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, a Minnesotan. Yeah. Minnesotan. Hey, Paul. Yo. Uh, we're recording a podcast. Say hello to Joe and Sam. Hey. Hi. <laughs> How you doing, Paul? I don't talk to common folks. Well, you know what? We're doing a podcast now about Prince, and you're from Minnesota. You're living well, there. Well, I guess I'm the resident expert. That's right. He doesn't know that we're doing a Prince one. Approximately yeah. five miles from the his residence and recording studio oh, and my place of death. Right. So it's good that you called me. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait. That's not how that <laughs> uh, What's up? Uh, I'm just uh, checking on uh, to see if you're going to be around next weekend, not this weekend, but the following. Weekend. Yes, I will be. Well, and and you are you're the only person knows that we're recording a Prince episode because 
no the one previous knows. episode isn't out yet, so you get the you get the insight. <laughs> and you're our first uh, call in. Actually, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Okay. Are we, we reviewing an album or are we just discussing Prince in general? We are discussing Purple Rain, but we were just talking about Nothing Compares to You and the Sinead version versus the Prince version. Do you have a preference? Well, Sinead is quite, uh, has a good version herself. Right. Admittedly, I don't know if I've ever heard of Prince's. I am aware that he wrote the song, but yeah. I yeah. I have no recollection of hearing the song. Well, so. if my phone could do more than one thing at a time, I'd play you it. Have it. <laughs> can I uh can I call you later? Sure. All right, sweet. See ya. Paul, everybody. All right, later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, Paul. <laughs> that was perfect timing. <laughs> and back to the song. I'm going to leave that in. That's funny. Just, That's yeah. great. Two cents worth. Yeah, I'd hate to, I like to his displease anybody, but I, I prefer... I, I think it would make more sense for you to like his more. It's more rock and because. And- but I didn't really grow up. Well, you weren't around MTV when we were. Yes, exactly. And I think that that's what sells the other one for me. Yeah. And it's also, it's more stripped down, you know? Absolutely. Her version is just, I don't know, I just feel like it's... Sam, hold on. Oh, okay. It's Paul again. Hey. I neglected to mention, congratulations to Joe. Ah. Uh, is uh, one year anniversary. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm living, living, man. I'm still here. Yeah, buddy. Well, that's the goal. Yeah, that is the goal. We're doing well, and we're getting some good responses on chemo. So, the, yeah, thank you. Yeah. got to well, keep it going. I, uh, you're an encouraging and uh, uh, story to us all, and uh, glad that you got that great set of hair still. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> thank you, yeah. But again, uh, <laughs> most importantly, that you're still with us. Yes, yes. Because you know, that's where all our minds go as soon as we heard it. But um, Right. And so glad that you're still living life and uh, got a very vibrant dating life. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you're still uh, Banana Joe. That's yeah, that's right. Thank that's you. That's all the world needs right now. Yeah, no so. shit. Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. Well, that's really nice. Thank you so much. Of course. I, yeah. I didn't forgot it earlier, <laughs> but uh, now you may commence with your... I don't want to be weird about it, but you interrupted the song again. So, well, I guess Sanid needed uh, need interrupting. That's, well, it was Prince's version, so oh, sorry, it's kind of Prince. blasphemous. Yeah. <laughs> All right, as you were. I'll call you, you know. later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> bye bye. He interrupted his neighbor. He really did. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sam. Some sometimes we can't control these things. So yeah, it was stripped hey, strip down. That was okay. That was that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Leave that in too. Those were beautiful words, and and uh, I don't think any of us could have could have said it better. And right, uh, I think we're all all feeling the same way that Paul does yeah. about uh, about you, Joe. Thank you. Basically, we love you, <laughs> and we're we're saying that <clears throat> nothing compares to you, Joe. <laughs> Yeah, perfect song and bag right this there. Is, this is all for you, Joe. There. By the way, we're making Joe cry, and I uh, love it. I know. It's, uh, it's hard to talk about. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah, for those of you that don't listen to 
the normal podcast. Yeah. About a year ago, uh, a little more than a year ago, Joe was diagnosed with stomach cancer, like uh, where the esophagus meets the stomach. Yeah. So it's a complicated area, but he's been kicking the shit out of it. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it's it, everything's been looking really good. So anyway, there we are. Yeah, so, yeah. so you prefer the Prince I think, version. yeah, having not have grown up about the same time as you guys uh, have, Prince's version sounds a little bit more rock-like, and I, oh, I, yeah, I, I kind of yeah. prefer that sound, so right. a little bit heavier guitar on it. And, but yeah, you were saying Sinead's just a little bit more stripped down. And Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Hers, hers, I think, kind of captures that, like, you know, the sadness about just being alone, you know? And, and, and not being with, with anybody at that point. Like, so I, I think that was good, but yeah, for Prince, of course, at that point he had already gotten his new band, the new power generation. So it was all about, you know, having that group, I think behind him and, and, um, and a fuller sound. He, he was always, he was always into more like, I think instrumentation and stuff like that anyway. So, um, but I like both. Yeah. Well, I have, I feel like I had other things I wanted to talk about, but Fucking Paul. <laughs> that was great. We did yeah. need some Minnesota representation. No, that's right. true. He's right there. He's Saint so Paul, close to you're on yeah. from St. Paul. <laughs> what do we got, Paul? <laughs> um, you know, I feel like the one thing that this album needs is a title track. That's Does right. such a thing exist? Uh, let's see. What are we what are we talking about again? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yes. The final track on the album, number nine, Purple Rain. Before I go into my own thing I want to talk about, tell us about Purple Rain, Sam. Well, I i mean, it's, I don't have to say it, but it is, it's one of the most epic ballads of all time. I, I just, every time I hear this song, it's, and especially now for the last, you know, five years, whenever I hear it, it's, it's kind of tough. It's, it's, it's sort of like the toughest song to listen to since Prince passed away because... 
I mean, it was in every tribute for him, you know, uh, immediately after his passing. And, and there are some amazing ones out there if you want to go and, and seek them out. Um, uh, the the, the three-night thing down by First Avenue yeah. in Minneapolis. I remember Paul telling me about it, and he was like, yeah. are you coming? Like, uh, <laughs> the, the cast, the cast from the color purple, did this amazing rendition the night that he, uh, the night that he passed away, and um, I mean, you can find that online, and it's just a powerful performance. They got the whole audience to sing. I don't know. It's there's a lot of that out there, but yeah, this song always um, always gets me a little uh, gets me a little misty when I hear it now. So um, even though the lyrics, I mean, this is another one of those songs where I, I don't know if the lyrics necessarily make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But but I think you could certainly interpret them. I've heard them that uh, interpreted as about a relationship once again, and also about religion. So, um, and the only other thing I thought was, that was interesting is that he mentions the sky turning purple in 1999, and I guess his explanation for purple rain or or the sky being purple was that when there's blood in the sky, uh, you know, because the sky is already blue, red and blue make purple. So that was his explanation for uh, for that, because um, people obviously were asking him a lot. So that was uh, that was what he said. Um, that was what he said about it. Wow! Wow! What yeah. do you think, Joe? Yeah. Well, I think it's a perfect. If you look at "Let's Go Crazy" and "Purple Rain," it's like the two bookends of sandwiching this whole album together. Because you have yeah. kind of like this, uh, you know. Uh, you have the beginning of Let's Go Crazy with the same kind of voice, you know, of ladies. It has that echo in the back. It mm-hmm. sounds very, like, uh, I don't know, like, heavenly, I guess. Yeah, it's got you some know? more reverb. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah, it's a solid ballad. And uh, then it reminds me of when he uh, was the Super Bowl halftime show in 2007. This is what I wanted to talk about. And then yeah. it actually started raining. And then it yeah. had this shot from like his feet and it kind of panned up and he just go, butching, and then like the whole <laughs> audience just goes nuts. Like, now, yes! I can't remember exactly where I heard it because I looked up a lot of shit, guys. Yeah, but, yeah. but <laughs> I heard that they were really worried about the halftime show because Prince's he was wearing like boots that are heels or, or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, falling over. And, and yeah, and they're like, Prince, it's raining. And the the thing that they said that he said was once he heard that, he said, can we make it rain more? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it was like <clears throat> the most fucking epic thing ever. And I remember we, we had a Super Bowl party. I don't, where were you at? For the Super Bowl, that one, Sam. Um, I was at a friend's house in Des Moines. I was, I was in Des Moines yep. at my dad's uh, buddy from high school's house. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember. Like, it's funny. We know where the fuck we're at. Yeah, like, we yeah. were. <laughs> Becky and I were at our apartment in Coralville, and I think it would have been the last Super Bowl that we had there. And I invited friends over. I had recently purchased a Prince Greatest Hits. I think it was. Oh, I forget what the name of it was, but it was an all-white cover, and disc one was a lot of the hits, like regular hits, and then disc two had like extended versions of wow. different songs. Oh. I, I just can't remember what exactly it was called. But I made, for everyone that came over, I made them a copy of those CDs because I was so excited to watch Prince at the Super Bowl. And you just watch this halftime show and like, 
fucking disbelief, this huge <laughs> fucking purple curtain. And, you know, he finally gets to that song and the uh, he played Foo Fighters there as yeah. well. And yeah. it was just like the best thing I had ever seen on television. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself how much so many of the people that were really into football didn't give a shit about Prince. Yes. But yeah. it was undeniable that he was like the best choice for that halftime show. Yeah, I don't know what and, city and, that was, but yeah. Yeah, and and you would have had you would have been crazy to not have the most respect for him after that performance. And for anybody yeah. that thought that he was like too light or they had other preconceived ideas about him, the fact that he busted out a Foo Fighters song. Yeah. My yeah. hero. Yeah. yeah, and just started yeah. just the fuck and he was just going to town like any other concert like, it was so right, good yeah. i think it was in miami um i believe if i recall if i if i recall because I, I remember people kind of being like they thought it was odd that it was raining at that at that time or something but um dude it fucking yeah. always rains in miami <laughs> what are they talking about yeah <laughs> but um yeah i mean that's just one of those like epic like you know, live performances that people still talk about to this day and probably will for forever because yeah, he pulled out like the Foo Fighters and, and the Foo Fighters don't even know why he played that song. But yeah, and they're like, <laughs> you know? okay. Yeah, so, they, I mean, but like, they they thought maybe it had something to do with the fact that they had covered Darling Nikki. Oh, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey. It's- and that he wasn't happy about it. Ah, apparently, apparently he didn't like it. He was kind of like, why don't you just write your own songs? You know, I didn't know that he was unhappy about why do you have to do it? I don't think he made a big stink, but the quote was that he basically just said, why don't you write your own songs? And as far as revenge is concerned. Yeah, it's like you just blew up the Foo Fighters. Yeah, because the Foo Fighters were excited. They're like, oh my God, he's playing our song at the Super Bowl. Could you imagine if all of them were like all together watching (laughs) this performance and and finding out about this in real time? I know. There's got to be an interview out there about him watching that. Dave Grohl seeing this for the first time. Yeah, I don't know about Dave, but I know Taylor was. Taylor told the story that he was watching the Super Bowl with the guys from Rush. Oh, okay. And he said he was outside smoking a cigarette with Neil Peart, and um, somebody came outside and said, uh, "One of the guys that produced the Foo Fighters. That's whose house they were at." And he came outside and he told Taylor, "Hey, their um, Prince is playing your song." And Taylor's like, like what? "What the fuck?" Come so then he went in, and yeah, they were playing "Best of You." Like, oh, um, oh that's. I mean, great. yeah. So like, that's I don't, crazy. Like, okay, so most Super Bowl halftime shows are so calculated, and at this time you will be standing here. At this time you'll be. I wonder how much was just like kind of up in the air because it's yeah. Prince of like, I will just let him go. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. and then yeah. like, boom, there's a song because you would think that he would reach out and be like, "Hey, can I perform this song at yeah. the Super Bowl?" It's Prince, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Shit, that's our song." Okay. Yeah. He doesn't have to ask anybody anything. Yeah. It's, like, okay. it's fine. <laughs> and it's you... live TV and it's too late. <laughs> yeah. It's there. Okay. <laughs> did, did you, either of you, hear the story about how Prince called uh, the guys from Journey? No. Yeah. Ooh, no, had, no, no. So at the end of this song, kind of the outro to it, he felt sounded kind of similar to the Journey song Faithfully. Oh, I, okay. And he sent them a tape. And said, hey, will you listen to this and tell me if you guys are okay with me doing this song? 
Like, I just want to make sure you, I, I just want to make sure you don't have a problem with it. And so three of the members of journey got together, including Steve Perry. And, uh, they popped the tape in and they listened to it and they were just like, I mean, the chords are the same or they're similar, but this is beautiful. And we're not like mad at you at all. Like, this is amazing. So, um, I thought that was, uh, that was interesting, but journey thought Prince was great. Uh, according to the people that, that, uh, inter- I read interviews with. So sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's solid. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that. Um, baby, I'm a star could have been the final track, but I mean, the way that this song, you know, we just heard it, how it kind of fades, fades out slowly. It, it kind of, it it sounds really cool. So I, I, I understand why, why he went that way, but it is a different feeling to leave people with at the end of an album. Now. I believe that this is the part of this episode where we can talk exclusively about the movie. Yes. Sure. (laughs) So where do we start (laughs) about 1984's motion picture, Purple Rain? it was cool that, you know, uh, I had kind of jumped through it before. I hadn't actually sat down and watched it because Mm -hmm. I knew that I had been to, you know, First First Avenue, 7th Street Entry. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of jumping around, but, oh, I've been there. Oh, okay, this is cool. Um, So that's kind of where I started, and it was fun. That was, like, the first establishing shot, and then he's just up on stage being a superstar. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, And then, like, I looked up, like, uh, I heard that uh, at one point they wanted... John Travolta to play Prince in the movie. <laughs> it's like I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how true that was, but it was on it was on Internet Movie Database. So, so like, weird. Okay, that was on IMDb. That apparently, <laughs> yeah. That is the most fucked thing I've ever heard. I don't know what that would look like. <laughs> Let's go crazy. You know? hey. I mean, we can get into the the deets about Prince's acting skills if right. we want to. Uh, I do have another clip that I wanted to share with you, and it is Morris Day talking about Purple Rain and how he kind of found out about it. So I guess the whole movie, the way you described in your book, was born and bred and shot in chaos. Pretty much. Explain that. Well, first of all, we're just doing business as usual, recording songs and and, uh, doing shows. And um, all of a sudden, we're, we're on a break, and Prince comes up and he's like, we're going to do a movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> I never done a movie before. So, you know, um, he, um, you know, next thing you know, he's, he's got us going to doing stupid shit in my book, you know, like going to dance classes and, and going to, uh, acting lessons and, and all of this stuff, you know, and, um, you know, it's still, didn't seem like it was going to be a reality necessary, necessarily because, you know, we were just, you know, doing all this stuff. But then it started to come together. You know, then all of a sudden a director comes to town and the script shows up and uh, it's starting to look like, you know, we're really going to do this. And um, so it, to, to me, you know, people ask me, did I know? I'm like, that was one of the most honest or innocent efforts because uh, we, didn't, we didn't, in my opinion, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just... <laughs> they, you know, the director uh, showed us the script. He sat me and Jerome down, and uh, line for line, we went through the script. And he said, "Okay, this is what the script says. 
what would you guys say? And so we basically rewrote all of our parts. And um, next thing you know, we, we're shooting a movie. Morris Day. Morris Day in the time. Yeah, buddy. I mean, I thought his performance in the movie was probably, I mean, he was probably my favorite actor. He was good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, I just thought he. He played that part very well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was basically himself. And it sounds like he had, you know, control over what he got to say. So I suppose that makes sense. But um, yeah, we talked about this a little bit recently, Lance, where it's odd that they're trying to play it off like the time was a better band than the revolution. I know. Because ah. <laughs> you're sitting there oh, like no. the movie it's, opens and yeah. they do let's go crazy and you're like, holy shit, like, that was yes. like uh, that was And then the second totally, band comes up. Totally yeah. Epic. yeah. And then they're just like Eh, you're losing it, kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, Here comes what? Morris Day doing jungle love. Yeah. Oh my I mean, god. I don't know. It's just kind of silly. Like the believability uh, of that is is kind of ridiculous. Not that the time is a bad band. They're not. Right. Uh, but I, I like the time and they have great musicians, but I mean Prince wrote all their stuff. Right. Yeah. So it's just like I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> like really uh, for this song really add up. They come up on stage and then you go, oh we oh we oh and then I was referencing that there was like a Kevin Smith movie with Jane Silent Bob. Yes, towards sir. the end where they get up on stage and like start oh, yeah. dancing around like wait a minute yeah. and then Tom that closed out that movie yeah That's and awesome. then that looped into uh the kevin smith story that i found on online i'm like oh my god this is yeah <laughs> yeah so they were like big fans of like the minnesota like the minnesota music scene which yeah. i thought was yeah. super cool um <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the one thing I did want to get your reaction on, Joe, yeah. was when you saw Jerome pick up the woman that came up to Morris Day and throw her into a dumpster. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's just like... Is this a thing they did in the it, 80s? Yeah, and then uh, there was definitely stuff where, like, you know, like, Becky's sitting around Lance's <coughs> wife, and, and, like, they're doing all this stuff, and then I'm just looking at it going, this would not fly today. No, <laughs> like, not so much. <laughs> no, man. No, she flew in the dumpster. But, like, yeah. Um, I went through Internet Movie Database, and I found, like, uh, the Lake Minnetonka scene yeah. Um, was shot yeah. numerous times and it was first shot of course in Minnesota because everything's in Minnesota there and they were like it was a bit too cold to keep redoing so she did multiple takes of jumping into the lake which I, I would volunteer to be on set for that mm-hmm. day um, so uh, <laughs> uh, she started developing hypothermia and they decided to scrap that scene and that scene I think that was made the cut in the movie was actually shot in LA because it was warmer ah. and a little bit more safe. <laughs> so that I think was the only thing that was not shot in Minneapolis. Wow. Area, or Minnesota area. Be- because they did it in November. Yeah. It's yeah. like when, when, when they were trying to film that was in November and it was like 20 <laughs> degrees out. It's like, uh, that's, it's that's like we're going to LA for this one. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, and okay. I guess Prince was like legitimately concerned for Apollonia. He was like, he was he was really freaked out that she was gonna you know like get sick or or like have permanent damage or yeah. something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was kind of an odd uh, an odd scene. But I have some notes here <laughs> that I wrote down <laughs> during the movie. I'm not sure that all of them make sense to me anymore. <laughs> uh, the first one is the fact that "Let's Go Crazy" at the beginning is a much longer version. 
Yeah. Now, did that version end up in the deluxe? Um, because it sounds like some of it, I don't know if any of it was actually played live on set or if they were, you know, putting some stuff in over top of the the recorded version it, because it sounds like it's a mixture of yes. both. So three of the songs in the film, uh, it was Let's Go Crazy. I want to say I Would Die For You and also... No, maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's Baby I'm a Star, Purple Rain, and Let's Go Crazy. We're all recorded on August 3rd, 1983 at First Avenue for a show that they did. It was a benefit show they did for the Minnesota Dance Theater for allowing the cast to use their studio for rehearsals. Oh, nice. So they recorded all of those songs uh, during that time and then used those versions in the film. And apparently that was Wendy's very first performance Live with the revolution. Oh, wow. Woo. Yeah. Um, I have another note here. Uh, it's a Morris Day quote. Stay a while <laughs> and see how it's done. Stay yes. Well. <laughs> mm. And then, so and then the next one that Stay I love from him. Somebody bring me a mirror. <laughs> yeah, that guy was funny. He just like oh he gets out of the car, yeah. holds up a mirror. Fucking Jerome. Like, that dude has to hold, haul around a mirror this whole time. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the next note that I have, and you guys can interrupt my notes at any point, but the fact that Prince has this incredibly nice motorcycle but he's driving up to such a <laughs> shitty house that he lives wait, in. Wait a minute. Yeah. That's one of the things that's always bothered me about this movie. It's like he's got all these awesome clothes on. <laughs> he's got this amazing motorcycle. And then he's like, I live in my parents' basement. <laughs> I live in my parents' basement. Yeah. No oh, kidding. my God. Uh, yeah. And there then was... he has to, like, take his dates back there and stuff. I don't yeah. know. It just mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't all add up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a fun fact that, the okay, uh, they used... A different location for some of the behind the like backstage scenes. So it wasn't all oh. it wasn't all Seventh uh, Avenue. Uh, they used the Orpheum Theater. Now the Orpheum Theater oh. we had actually been to for Ingrid Michaelson. Mm-hmm. So that was another oh, venue. Nice. I'm like, shit, we were there too. That was kind of neat. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. I just I want to see it pointed out which clips they were like yeah. was which behind the scenes things. Uh, that would it be was. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be cool. Um, we need to talk about. Uh, for anybody that's watched the movie recently, there is a, a part of it where uh, Prince has this little puppet guy in a cup. Yes, puppet cup. That apparently <laughs> can speak without in Prince's him, voice. Without him without, moving without, his lips. Yes. Dubbing his lips. <laughs> and not just once, but twice. Yes. And it's <laughs> super weird. So I don't know if that's if you're supposed to think that it's like, in his head, but it's not because the other people, it seemed like they can hear it. Um, that never made any sense to me. So Sam, if you have any answers, I would love to hear them. I don't, but when we watched it, Kate was like, is he just a really good ventriloquist? Yeah, that's what I was um, thinking. Was, I think they were able, trying to just able to do that. I'm like, I don't know. I kind of forgot that scene. Actually, yeah, it was we really it. weird. Yeah. It's totally strange. I because, think they were trying to fake it that he would have been a great ventriloquist. Yeah, maybe. That's but what I open your be. mouth a little bit. Yeah. For, mm-hmm. Uh, after that, Morris Day uh, proclaims that he has a brass waterbed. It was like <laughs> that was pretty great. Oh, cool. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, then I I wrote down the thing about him going and where are you, motherfucker? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was he's funny. like, Dad, did you write that? Jeez. 
It's like I'm just getting it home. God. And the di- the dynamics of this movie. Uh, yeah. It's just like all over the place. And we brought this up prior to recording, but the fact that this is a movie with a soundtrack that doesn't include all the songs that were in the movie. And uh, so it leaves out Apollonia 6 and yep. Morris sex Day shooter. in the time. Yes, mm-hmm. Sex Shooter. Yeah. Morris Day in the time. Yeah, they do basically the two biggest songs they ever did, Jungle Love and The Bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, and, I've and actually... And his guitar player, Des Dickerson, who wears like the Karate Kid bandana, mm-hmm. uh, they're up on stage at First Avenue as well, and they play a song, but I don't know the name of that one. Uh, Because it wasn't on the soundtrack. Here's a sex shooter for y'all. The whole thing where it was Vanity Six and then they had a falling out. And then he just kind of handpicked Apollonia. It's really interesting. Because he had a relationship with Vanity, and then it didn't work out. Yeah. So naturally, yeah, she's got to just kind of slid Apollonia in there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just assume she's talking to me there. It's fine. If you want to see something that is incredibly uncomfortable, watch her interview on David Letterman. Just oh, shortly from after, that time. Yes, from that time. Okay. And Dave, Dave is like, he doesn't know what to talk to her about. <laughs> and there's like two or three times that he tries to throw to commercial, and they're like, no, 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 no commercial. Not yet. Not <laughs> and he's yet. like. So, uh, you and Prince doing it or like, you know, he doesn't say that exactly, but he's like trying to get information out of her and, and he, she said that they're business partners. And then later in the interview, she starts talking to, uh, to Paul Schaefer and Paul's like, Hey, if you ever want to be business partners with me, (laughs) oh my God, (laughs) it's It's pretty great. (laughs) Golden. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, what other thoughts did you guys have on the movie before we wrap up? I wrote four things that were, I don't know, there were more roast jokes for some reason I was in that mindset. Okay. Because it was just so funky. Now, first off, um, you're, you asked me after everything was done, like, what'd you think? And I'm like, you know what? This movie actually made sense. Um, it was pieced, you know, we think of Prince and how mystical he is. Yeah. I was a little bit afraid that it'd be kind of all over the place. And Mm -hmm. it was just like this cult hit. It actually flowed pretty well. Despite you know Prince's eccentrics and everything, uh, and it was also it was also uh, received pretty well by critics, um, mm. impressively you know yeah. Um, but anyway, so I started writing like Prince's hair needed its own trailer, like <laughs> it was just its own. <laughs> it was its I own. mean, not wrong. Not, not just Prince, like Morris Days. Yeah, uh, I don't know some over. of the other people in the band too, probably. Then I wrote Dave Chappelle was his stunt double, like <laughs> 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 something like that. And then I wrote Janet Jackson's stand-in was hired for Prince's girlfriend. <laughs> it's like kind of close, yeah, but a little close. bit like right. pretty close. And then I'm like. Uh, this was Prince's Super Bowl audition. He performed 23 years later. <laughs> That's true. Fun stuff. I don't know. Just like, all right, there we go, Minnesota. But 
I wish he was still around, and it would have been great to yeah. have like the Minnesota, you know, Super Bowl in Minnesota when uh, Justin Timberlake did this big, you know, uh, tribute, and then turned, you know, turned the entire Minneapolis into purple. You know, yeah, uh, that would have been great if he was still around, and I bet you they probably would have pulled him to do something because of Minneapolis. You know, they a lot of landmarks uh, lit up with purple if they could yeah. after after his passing yeah and that was i think even like the eiffel tower did like it was it was worldwide that they yeah. did these these things mm-hmm. and um an incredible loss for everybody yeah and uh yeah it's hard to believe it five years to the day that's so yeah. weird. And that's yeah. strange how that worked. We didn't plan that. No. We knew that it would no. be around there. Like but. I woke up today and then like on like I follow Prince on Facebook, as goofy yeah. as that sound. And then all of a sudden it was like five years ago today. I'm like, shit, we're recording this afternoon. Yeah. Like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> like Yeah. So that yeah. kind of had a little bit of a weight to it. What uh and th- this doesn't mean that we won't get into another Prince album at some point in the future. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But sure. like um I know that Joe, you're a bit later yeah. to the Prince party, but what are your takeaways? Like, does he mean anything to you as far as, you know, well, just musically? And, you know, I know before we kind of dove in, you know, uh, I grew up a lot more with Michael Jackson. Right. And that's my older brother was in it. And I think, you know, the older siblings definitely have like an impact on, on you as a younger uh, sibling. Um, because like, I don't know, they're just a little bit ahead of you and you're listening to kind of what they're listening to. And then that's when you're kind of starting to figure out your own tastes that aren't your parents and it's not on radio, that sort of thing. So I was just more into Michael Jackson. Um, But uh, I I didn't really, I I grew up with the hits. You know, if it was Prince, it was probably Purple Rain. It was probably whatever would be on, it wouldn't be any deep cuts Mm -hmm. by any means. Uh, But, uh, you know, in recent years... Uh, I definitely got to a better sense of his creativity and the way that he would operate. And it, it was kind of more intriguing to me that, mm-hmm. you know, he his brain didn't work the way that other artists did. And that's what set him apart. Mm. And just like the weird eccentrics of like, hey, I want a camel. It's like, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, but uh, just go get me a camel. Uh, uh, okay. And he just didn't get it. You know, <laughs> just like, oh, oh, OK, OK. You guys can look up that story. <laughs> yeah, later that's if you the want Kevin to. Smith thing on, on YouTube. <laughs> just, uh, but it's January and it's Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's in his own and, yeah, world. So like, I think, why could I not have this? Yeah. So I think I've grown to like appreciate his eccentric uh aspects because like yeah. i'm kind of like that too where it's just kind of like all right let's just throw it out here and try something different i get like that when we do like uh shows for judge story where mm-hmm. i'm like oh how many times can i say this line how many ways can i can i dress up differently and set myself apart and like okay you know it's just the creative process i love yeah that uh and, you know and he just created and created and created and didn't think i don't think he had studios down his throat of like you know you should change this like mm. That was impressive, you know, and that's that's a cool right. place to be that you don't have a studio that's like, mm, this isn't really going to, you know, be this isn't going to pander. Yeah, towards. This doesn't this doesn't work for us. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. <laughs> so I don't know. That's kind of what I appreciate him about uh, about now. And, and it kind of it was cool to, you know, watch the movie alongside with the album, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't get me wrong. I also grew up a huge Michael Jackson 
fan and I was into his music. I think I think he had more of a extended airplay on the radio than Prince did. And so that's why I knew a bit more about Jackson, not to always liken the two, but because you brought it up. But I right. <laughs> but I really started to dive into Prince after like I knew the hits and I've always known the hits because I was born in 82. So I just grew up with them around. They never stopped playing certain hits on the radio. Um, whereas with Michael Jackson, they did because of all the controversy that was going on. Now, I never actually bought a Prince album until probably after the year 2000. But I remember getting one of his greatest hits. And it was frustrating for me because this particular greatest hits album, and it had a lot of the big hits on there, but including like Diamonds and Pearls and Seven. So this was... Hey, I'm, I, I guess I'm not sure what year exactly it was that I bought this particular album, but I knew enough to know that a lot of the songs on there were cut short. It was like they were trying to cram more onto a CD for you, where if if they could have like left off something like Get Off or some, you know, what, one of those other random uh, Mora beat songs that w- that was a little yeah. lesser known, then I could have gotten the full version of the other songs that yeah. I knew were fading out way too fast. But then after that, I started diving into full albums. I was a fan. Obviously, I was I was hooked. And then Becky graduated early from high school. And so we decided to take a trip out to California. And so this would have been in 2004. And while we were getting ready to head out there, I'm like, well, what can we do? What is there? What's going on? And so I saw that Prince was kicking off his musicology tour and we ended up scoring tickets to it. I, who would pass that up? And yep. I was surprised that I, for some reason, it worked out that I was able to, I found out about it in time to score a decent ticket. Yeah. And um, was so stoked. And we get there and just the whole experience was so memorable to me. And even waiting outside for them to even open the doors, they... They were playing songs that that I love. They were playing like Erotic City and just over like the the the, the speakers that were outside. And um, it was like this whole intro to the concert. And uh, we, we get inside, we find our seats and there's kind of something obstructing our view. It was a, a bunch of these cables. And this is prior to me ever like trying to get away with shit by complaining about stuff, you know, trying to get a better seat or anything. But I went up and it was genuinely in our way. And I found this office and I, somebody had guided me there. I went and I said, Hey, here's the deal. Like, I don't want to be weird about this, but like, we can't really see the stage and this is kind of a big deal to us. And the, the person there said, yeah, we kind of assumed that this might happen. So here's these tickets. And we ended up in like the 10th row on the floor for Prince. Was, now, so was cool. he in the rounds? So cool. It or? was it was kind of in the round. Okay. Yes. But it was like there was extensions of the stage as well. Okay. And this was the one that was kicking off everything. And he would do some of his old hits and including uh the songs from Musicology. And this was the tour. We were talking about this, Sam and I, yeah. that uh, apparently for that he did this kind of genius move 
where within the ticket sales, you got a you got an album as well. Ah. He gave you a CD and like the cardboard slip cover and that counted towards his album sales. Oh. And I in d- doing some digging on this. That was the last time that that was ever really allowed <laughs> because they found out what he was doing. And I yeah. even found an interview where he talked about it. And and the person was like, so you kind of got away with that. And and they changed the rules afterwards. And he's like, well, there was still like 400 some thousand that they haven't counted or whatever. But but still, yeah, he like it did, it did count towards the, album sales. Uh, yeah, yeah, because they basically said the price of the album was was into the was basically put into the ticket price. Kevin Smith talks about that too, actually, uh, in in his Prince story. Well, he just basically t- says exactly what you did, just that like. But that's something that he touches upon. He he was kind of maybe sore at Prince, if you couldn't tell based on you know the story he was yeah. telling. But he kind of says during that he's like, well, so they give you this album and they work it into the ticket price, and he's like, so for a while, Prince's new album was like way up here on the charts, but not really. He said. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, he cracked that's the true. code. He, it's true. He cracked the code, yeah. and the industry is like, nope can't do that it's yeah like, come on well then yeah. they changed it after yeah. the fact but the <laughs> yeah. the experience at the concert i still remember bits and pieces of it but i i remember it was such a big deal that theaters were going to be doing a live stream of it oh and and it was supposed to be taking place like during the concert but th- which is interesting because this was back in 2004 so i know that there's a video out there yeah somewhere of this show somewhere in his vault and I know that Musicology is not everyone's favorite album, but Sam in particular, <laughs> he likes to shit on me whenever I try to pick it up. <laughs> I still haven't bought it yet on vinyl. I still, I, I mean, I, I do still I, have the CD though. I understand the sentimental connection. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. And I don't think Musicology is bad. It's just right. not, not, you know. Not yeah, it's favorite. it's not. It's certainly not one of his best ones. But yes, there is that. I have that connection to it because we were there. But like even sitting in the audience and watching him, he was singing songs like Kiss and and changing the words to make uh, certain certain parts of it um, like you don't have to watch Dynasty, mm-hmm. you know, and he stopped before he says Dynasty and then everybody in the audience yeah. sings it. But he changed the words. He was like, nah, sex in the city. No. And he changed it to a to a newer <laughs> show. And it was just no. he just had so much energy and. Yeah. I had no idea that this was going to happen, but when we came home after that trip, I had gotten my Entertainment Weekly in the mail because I had like one of those free things for oh, it yeah. or whatever, you know, get it for a few weeks. And it was him on the cover and it had pictures from that show. And it said like Ooh. people like Eddie Murphy were in attendance Ooh, at that like, show shit. that I was at. Like, wait a minute. And like- I was really I, I ran out of time and I've been feeling kind of weird today because I got that the covid shot. But um, I, I was hoping to locate that article Damn. so I could read a little bit from it because I know I saved it. I just I have so much shit that I've accumulated over the years. Damn. I have no idea where it is. So, OK, so you got that experience. Now you go see someone that's big as Prince. Yeah. Does someone open for Prince or is it just like time and then boom, Prince? I don't know. That is an excellent question. I don't think anybody opened for him. Yeah, just wait and then lights, boom, go. Yeah. How long was the show? It I remember it. I remember it being pretty lengthy, but I don't know yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's that's why I know that that information is in that entertainment yeah. weekly. Yeah. Damn. So yeah. I need to find that someday. That's cool. So uh, anyway, that's my 
That's my story, That's your take, I yeah. guess. But and I mean, there's more <clears throat> in there, and I've uh, obviously over the years gotten more into his discography, and it, it means a lot more. And certainly, his death hit me pretty hard. Yeah, and I do, I do regret not trying to make it up for, you know, what was going down at First Avenue. But also, it's like, you know, you know, you would have gotten there, and it was just kind of like a like a somber sad but celebration still but i i wish i would have seen it yeah you know uh having been a fan and i'm i'm not saying i'm the biggest fan there's huge prince fans out there but um in the grand scheme of things he and his music mean a lot to me yeah that's awesome yeah yeah uh so sam yeah it i mean that's one of those things too. I've, I've been here. I've been listening to so many things, listening to Prince fans talk about their experiences and stuff like that. And, uh, he's one of those guys, you know, there's just, there's enough room for everybody to be like Prince fans. There's uh, it's, it's not a contest and there's like so many people that just have been affected by his music and like what it means to them. And it's, yeah. um, there's some incredible stories out there, but I, you know, he's got, he's just such a unique artist i think because of that mystique that he kind of had around you know sort of about him with some of the things in his life like you know uh, people that worked for him uh having to sign these agreements that they wouldn't look him in the eye you know shit like that you know just (laughs) like shit like i I kind of just kind of make him seem like an asshole but you know it's just one of those things about his kind of mystique and then of course the vault that we've always heard about and and now we're starting to get some of these songs that are coming out on the special edition versions and, and, um, and the whole vault thing is interesting because, you know, some of the people that have produced him have basically said, um, that they just feel like those songs that were there were there for a reason because Prince didn't really feel like they were finished. You know, he were, and he would work endlessly on songs and just, you know, continue to play a groove for, for, you know, an extended period of time. But if he just felt like it was dead, then he would just say, you know, let's just whatever. Let's just put this aside and and it's OK. But I know people are kind of hungry for these songs from the vault. But I, I will say, honestly, on the special edition, the stuff that they unearthed from the vault and put on that album, that's exactly what it sounds like to me. They sound like unfinished songs. Yeah, mm. they're not bad. And how does that still make pr- you feel, though, when you listen well, to them? I mean, I guess I'm a little disappointed, but I wasn't expecting that I was going to hear my favorite Prince song. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I guess I trusted his, his ear enough to think that he would know the best stuff that he made, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, I, I just think he's a musical enough person that he would know, you know, this isn't ready. This is, and like I said, I don't think a lot of those songs are bad, but maybe just not you know, just maybe not up to that level that maybe you sort of expect or just some of those flourishes, like different vocal things are kind of absent, you know, yeah. that or, or different sounds that he would maybe use just like once in a song, but that kind of make a song. Um, it's just kind of missing some of that, but it's kind of more skeletal, but kind of interesting to hear it for just, I guess the process, you know, just to hear some of the stuff he's doing. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's the whole thing about like his name change that happened in the early nineties too. That's such a, such an area of like, you know, mystique. And we didn't really get into that because it's kind of like a decade later after this album came out, but, um, you know, his religion and everything, of course we talked about it some in the songs, but that started to kind of resolve itself when he converted to Jehovah's witness, uh, 
um, in the early, in the early two thousands. But, um, you know, you brought up Michael Jackson and I have a, I have like a list of stories here that I could share, but I, I know we've already talked forever. Well, so you could dive I, in I do a have bit. one story about Michael Jackson yeah. though. And, uh, I was listening to this guy that wrote a book about, um, certain like rivalries amongst 80s musicians. And one of the things he talked about was the rivalry between Michael Jackson and Prince. And he said that he, you know, first of all, if you compare these two guys, I mean, we're looking at Prince who was very prolific and put out what, like 35 albums, you know, and then wrote tons and tons and tons of songs for all these other artists that became hits. And then, you know, you have Michael who basically had his career start with off the wall. His proper career started with off the wall and he had, you know, what, like five, six albums while he was alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so such a difference there in like, uh, how prolific I think those guys were as far as what, what the output was. But I think a lot of that had to do with Michael, who I think probably saw himself as more of a entertainer. Mm-hmm. And I think Prince, you know, in my personal opinion, was a stronger singer and he was a musician, yeah. Yeah. you know, he was, he could play everything. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so many people have said, well, Prince could probably play every instrument like better than anybody else. <laughs> um, he was just such a such a natural like talent. But he also worked his ass off. Give me that but, recorder from middle school. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what? <laughs> but but that Michael seemed to kind of shoot for, you know, after he put out Thriller, his goal was to try to make a bad sell even more than Thriller. Like he was he really was all about the commercial side of trying to sell you know, trying to sell albums and being a commercial artist. Whereas Prince was after he put out purple rain, his next album was, um, uh, around the world in a day, which was not a big hit at all. It had raspberry beret on it, but he, it had a lot of world music and stuff like that. I think Prince wanted you to follow him, but he, and, and wanted to make commercial music or wanted to make music that people liked, but he, you were going to have to do it on his terms. Whereas Michael, I think tried to appeal to maybe a wider audience, but one quick story I'll share about, about Prince and Michael Jackson. Um, while Prince was filming, uh, the movie under the cherry moon, um, which was a movie that came out two years after purple rain. Um, uh, MJ came to the set and, um, visited for a day and they were playing ping pong together. And Prince is a very competitive ping pong player. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, they started playing ping pong and I guess MJ wasn't taking it that seriously. He was just having fun. And Prince was like getting mad. Cause he's like, you know, why aren't you taking this more seriously? Like, come on, like bring it on, mm-hmm. you know? And so at one point Prince like smacked a ball and it hit Michael really hard, like in the crotch. Oh, <laughs> and he didn't even, and, and Michael storms off and, um, Prince was just like, well, he said something kind of rude. He basically was like, did you see him? He played like Helen Keller. Oh, Oh, yeah. Which is a horrible thing to say. Yeah, there's no Um, bitterness there. Right. (laughs) Um, But apparently Prince was just super competitive anyway. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a terrible thing to say, first of all. But um, just a just a story that somebody had told that I thought was kind of interesting that they actually did like share space and hang out sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then there was the whole story about how. (laughs) Uh, I guess Michael had asked him to be a part of Bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think we, I think we talked about yeah. that at some point. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure that we have. Because th- there's the, actually an it, interview out there where Prince kind of talks about it, 
And he says, um, so at the very beginning of the song, it says, your butt is mine. And he's like, well, you're not saying that to me. And I'm not <laughs> saying that to you. So already we have a non-starter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is yeah. really neat because there, there is a YouTube video out there I remember seeing. And, and Kevin Smith refers to it as uh, the Apollo Theater. And it was uh, James Brown. And then he calls up. Uh, Michael Jack, hey Michael, come on, get up here, get up here. Oh yes, and then like, no, I know about this. And then like yeah. Prince is also in there, hey Prince, and he's like a nobody at this time. Mm-hmm. And then Prince actually piggybacks off of Michael's back, like literally, like mm-hmm. that's just how they're getting up on stage. And it's just like, wow, look at these big heavy hitters. And then you and know? then he says that Prince like starts. Fucking a guitar. Yes, that's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> and, then, and then apparently in the video, you could see uh, James Brown be like, uh, "What have I done?" Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. It's the next generation there. It's the next generation. Yeah. But yeah, that was a, that was just a solid uh, movie album. I don't know. It was fun to have a little extra yeah. to to the album to dive into too. Is Purple Rain your your number one Prince? My favorite Prince album? Yeah. No. No? You going to no. tell me what it is? Or are you going to save it? Then why'd you pick it? <laughs> we, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I love it. If it's not if it's not number one, it's like number two, but maybe number three. Okay. Um, especially recently, because I've been listening to all the early Prince stuff. And I don't think, man, like his first album's a little uneven, but his second right. album, Through Purple Rain, that five album run, it's just... It's just like untouchable. I just, yeah. I absolutely love all that stuff. So much great funk and pop and rock and just incredible, incredible was music. Ninety nine in nineteen eighty two. Yeah, that was in eighty two, and that one probably is my favorite. Um, a lot of like extended jams on that. I, and the, my favorite thing about that album is how, it, and I love it on the vinyl that each track kind of goes into the next. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's like flows. all connected. I you need to listen to it, man. It's it's so good. Yeah, that that's a that's a terrific album. But Dirty Mind is also another one that's um, I just think is is great. Like front to back is so 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 good. So yeah, I mean Purple Rain's definitely up there. It's a it's such a such a great album. And um, probably I think the reason that I chose Purple Rain, uh, besides the fact that it's just this awesome piece of like pop culture. And it's got the movie to talk about as well. Right. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people just like forever. I think Prince knew that that was the album that was forever going to be like, you know, associated with him. Um, but I, I think maybe the, the reason that I kind of chose it was that um, I thought it was a little more diverse than a couple of the other albums. Dirty Mind is pretty much like straight funk, the whole album. Um, and 1999 has got a lot of longer kind of stretched out like songs. It's not, you know, the single versions like what you'll hear on a greatest hits collection. And, um, and so I thought, you know, just, uh, just, uh, for those reasons, I think purple rain was maybe the right choice. I think it was. Uh, And thank you. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. You guys like dug into the movie too. That was awesome. (laughs) Any chance that I have to do that. Yeah. Although I'm sure I know it had been a long time since Becky had seen it. So I'm sure that there were some things happening on the screen that she was like, Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh, but it was worth it. Um, so I guess yeah. that leaves us 
with uh, what we're doing for next time. Oh, boy. Mr. Vaughn. Here we go. Okay. Are you making it up on the spot? I or? thought about it, and it was between a couple albums. But I'm like, okay, let's just keep it. Okay, here we go. All right. Um, We're going to keep it in the 80s. Yes. This, I'm okay with that. This isn't everyone's cup of tea. Might. <laughs> It might not be everybody's favorite band. All right. But I know I jammed out to it when I was 15 in okay. middle school okay. on the school bus. Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> no? Okay. ACDC's Back in Black. Oh. I think that's going to be a solid headbanger. Oh, my God. I am kind of familiar with it because my, my stepdad had the CD. Yeah. And we didn't have a lot of CDs when I was that age. So I know I've listened to it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to revisit. Yeah. So I think that's good. And it also has some controversy to it. So it's going to be yeah. kind of fun to dive into. Uh, but yeah, Brian Johnson's first uh, first album with ACDC. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, man. Good. There's there's a lot there's a lot to like discuss about that because you're right. It, like that that's the first one with the new singer and and you know they had just lost Bon Scott. So yeah, and and of course it's also like you know one of the best hard rock albums ever. It so. is. It is. <laughs> yeah. uh, they came out with like their new CD like this early you know in fall. Yeah, you were digging that, yeah, right? It was, it was sounded pretty good, and and they used basically. Uh, they used songs from the vault, basically. Nice. Was they were saying like, well, we wanted to bring this out in the '80s, but we just didn't have space for it on yeah. the albums, and we didn't have the track list right. So they basically took. They're like, this sound is going to sound like it's from the '80s. Yeah, and it I does. accept. It kind of does. Did and they it, sprinkle in a song from Prince's Vault right? as well? That'd be great. Wouldn't <laughs> it? Just a little tweet. There's a lot of vault <laughs> yeah. stuff going on around here. So yeah, it was fun when that was like on the news or whatever, and I was sitting around with my parents, and I'm like, oh no. Well, well, their their brother Malcolm Young died, and you know all these, you know. Yeah. And my mom's like sitting there, like, how do you know all this? I'm like, I don't know. I was sixteen, yeah. diving into yeah. it, you know. But well, that's gonna be a good one, yeah. Man. That's gonna be yeah, a fun man. One. Good choice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're done here, all and right. uh, I feel like we talked enough. I think we did. <laughs> Seven forty six. Oh my god. Oh yeah, solid. So, um, everyone, take care. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye.